0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 841, brought to you by iFanboy and listeners just like you.
1: Well, woman I love is name Ramona. She kind of looks like Tempest Storm. She can dance like a little Egypt. She works down at the snake farm, snake farm. It just sounds nasty, Snake farm.
0: Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 841. I am Josh Flanagan, and thank dear God Almighty, it's Connor Kilpatrick. He's back. I'm back.
1: I've got grievances.
0: What kind of a vacation doesn't end with grievances? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually, I don't. I, I've, I've I've listened to one of the three shows that happened while I have while gone only because I haven't finished reading all the books. Mm-hmm. You did a great job. I did want to point out for the listeners and the people at home that I didn't intend to miss three shows. I was on a two week vacation. I was going to oh, two yeah. shows. There was a scheduling mishap with the me a show that James Cardi ended up being on. I was not meant to be gone for three weeks. Just want to point that out.
0: No, that's my fault. That's totally. But but it worked more like I was like, "Oh, I was a week ahead of time," which never happens. <laughs> and B was like, "You want to take the week off?" which never <laughs> happens. <laughs> it's,
1: it's so, fun. anyway, I missed all you guys. I liked doing the show and I missed talking to you. I I did get to see Josh in person, which I haven't we haven't seen each other in person since 2019, since before the Years. pandemic. Years. Yes. Which is the longest we've not seen each other since we met in college over a generation ago. Yeah. And uh, we did not get together to barbecue, which is what most people thought was happening in that photo.
0: I I like that when people see that two friends have gotten together, it's about, well, what are you going to give us?
1: (laughs) I I I would have loved if the barbecue show was unlocked. I would love to do a quarterly barbecue with Josh, but that was not the case. We were in the parking lot of an ice cream parlor. That's true. (laughs) Wearing ship shirts. All right. (laughs) Let's get on with the show.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. So this is I fanboy every week. One of us picks the book they like the best. We call that the pick of the week, and we were talking about other comics that came out this week. That's a fun time. There could be, there will be a patron pick. That's going to be a thing that happens. We will mm-hmm. have Linsner, listener mail or Linsner mail, which, which is Ooh. which Just is from a Linsner. Thing. Yeah, Linsner. Who, who who can forget that famous Dutch painter? Um, <laughs> great, you know, great the, light, great natural light. There. Will be <laughs> Wait, who's? Oh, that's Vermeer. Yeah. Oh, seriously, Vermeer is amazing. If you've never oh seen. God. What's the documentary? Paul's Vermeer? Uh, I think that's I think so. it. It's, it's about a guy who became obsessed with Vermeer and wanted to, like an artist who wanted to recreate Vermeer paintings like like, note for note. Oh, God, I love that documentary. It made me so happy. If you haven't, it's, it's one of the best. I love it. There's a spoiler warning. We will talk about what happened with Paul's Vermeer, uh, although I don't mm. remember.
1: We're now at Paul's Vermeer show.
0: Yep. It's Yeah. You probably fine.
1: find out if this is the right movie. You keep talking. I'm going to get up.
0: I'm absolutely sure. There's, there's, My two favorite artistic, inspirational documentaries are Paul's Vermeer and Jodorowsky's Dune. Those are the two that like, I got out and I was like, oh my god, art's amazing.
1: Paul's Vermeer.
0: Tim's Vermeer. Tim's Vermeer. Tim's Vermeer. Oh, I've, I've mixed up standard white dad names. <laughs> uh, sorry. Hey, Timmy. Hey, Paul. You catch the, the socks last night? All right. So you, you had the pick. I had the You're pick.
1: Up. You know, I thought... At one point, I, I had some sort of opening show—not rant, but monologue—but I don't remember. That was so long ago. I will say, you know, I'm still catching up from the last couple of weeks. And at certain point, I had to stop reading because I didn't want get, to get those books confused in my brain with the books I had to talk about this week. I understand so that. I, I am still like ten books back to catch up on everything. I was—I think I missed like thirty. You know, there was like thirty books came out that I was reading while the time I was gone. But
0: that's not that bad. No, not terrible. Are you sure? Because one of those weeks was San Diego week, and I had, I had 30 books that week.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, well, you know, it might have been 40. It actually might have been 40 books, Yeah. those three weeks. That makes more sense. The San Diego week was really, really heavy. But this was a strange week. There was a ton of image books. We're going to talk about them, uh, or at least a good portion of them. There was not a, a lot out from Marvel. There was not a lot out from DC. It was a weird week, but... I, I enjoyed reading, I enjoyed getting back in the flow of everything, so that, that was definitely fun. And the pick of the week ended up being DC versus Vampires number 8, and before we get to that, I want to mention that there was a house ad in DC this week for the final chapter of Deceased, and I was so fucking excited to see that. I didn't know it was coming. <gasps>
0: there it is, yeah.
1: DC War of the Undead God, the final chapter of the DC's <sighs> franchise.
0: Because they did, they just left Superman out there in the sun, you can't end it with that's happening.
1: I fucking love that series. You fucking love that series. Listeners at home mostly love that series.
0: And it doesn't I'm matter. Excited we we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, it's honestly, honestly, it's one of my favorite comics that's come out in the last five years. Like, I, I thought yeah. about it. It's like, it's because it's related to this big leak, which is DC vs. Vampires, which is, you know, a, a naked attempt to, to recapture what was a very popular uh, comic in DC, surprisingly mm-hmm. so, which is why there's been three volumes of it. So, this is another sort of. Uh, you know, we've talked about the series before. but This is the first time we've picked pick of the week. It's another sort of out of continuity big concept. This is, you know, that first one was DC versus zombies. Now this is DC versus vampires, and it says it right in the cover.
0: My question is, have you been reading this all along?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: See, I didn't know that, and and I I haven't. I read, I I kind of saw it, and I I brushed it off, and then at some point I noticed it again. And I, I went, oh, it's Matt Rosenberg. I should check that out. So I actually have read some of the specials, but I haven't been reading the main series. But the specials I read, even without reading the rest, were really good. Surprisingly so. Yeah, there was a fun one last
1: week that I read. That uh, was a Deathstroke. This team, I don't remember. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think I talked about that on the show. Yeah, you did. Yes, I, I read it
1: originally because you know I I saw it as an attempt to do another DC. So I thought, well, let's check that out. Then I saw Otto Schmidt, this artist. He's one of my favorite new artists on the scene. Matthew Rosenberg and James Tinian fourth are, are the writers. I was like, well, this is all like top-level creative teams. Even if I don't always love what Tinian does, he's just still a top-level guy. And so is mm-hmm. Rosenberg, and Otto Schmidt is great. So I was like, well, this is a good team on it. I'll check it out. And I've been enjoying it the whole way through in a way that – you know, I think it was coming out at the same time as as Tom Taylor's Marvel one, Dark Ages, and I think the yeah. the the comparison was that Dark Ages was too short, whereas this seems to be just the right amount to really give us a fleshed out story. And what we have with issue eight, it's issue eight of twelve, is the end of Act Two. You know, so the vampires have you know done their damage. In the DC universe, they've taken over most of the major players. You think at this point there's no chance because they've got Wonder Woman, they've got super. You know, Superman's been taken out, Batman's dead. And uh, the leader of the vampires, Nightwing, and you th- there's just no chance because everybody who's left is basically street level or magic. And so, what are they going to do? And here is we've seen is a sort of gathering of the team story in that final bit of Act Two, where the good guys have now regrouped, and we have three separate strike forces going out at the end of this issue uh, to attack the vampires. One of which is just a Green Arrow on his own. But I just I love the look of the book. I think Otto Schmidt's terrific artist he has a style that's wholly unique um he gives uh it's a it's it's like a part cartoony part realistic style his characters all have modern and recognizable hair and clothing which is not something that artists always do but it's very sketchy and frenetic and kinetic and i like it a lot he did that hawkeye book we really loved i don't know who's doing what in terms of writing if I had to guess, I'd say Tinian and Rosenberg are plotting it. And Rosenberg's writing it just because it feels like Rosenberg's dialogue, but maybe it's both. It's just fun and, and snappy and sexy. You get some sexy Green Arrow, Black Canary here, which we haven't seen in a while. This feels more like the old DCU mm-hmm. than it does the, the new modern one, even if even if it's got modern elements in it. It's just a lot of fun. I'm just enjoying these out of continuity DC stories for the most
0: part right now. I mean, I think that you think that has something to do with the fact that like many of the mainstream DC stuff isn't really hitting with you the same way. And it's interesting that there's this sort of alternative that you have. Yes.
1: And also, oh, I remember another point I had. It's been a long week. It's been a long, it's been a long week and I've forgotten. You're telling me? You're telling in me. In my head. You know, Josh will know this. When you're reading your books and you're doing a show like this, you've got to start making your points in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, while you're reading, so you can remember them for the show. It used to be that we'd write a big review and they'd all be written out for us, but now we've got to remember them. My other point was this is the same week that um, Dark Crisis came out, the next issue of Dark Crisis came out. And I, I don't know why I'm reading it because it's completely innocuous and, and uh, anodyne, and it's, I just I don't care. But this book feels much more like an event than Dark Crisis does. This book feels like it's got weight and stakes. And, and it's not just because it's not a continuity, people can die, but it just feels. Like it's got a more epic feel to it than Dark Crisis, which feels very rote and just like we're doing this again and with no with no aura of any kind of importance around it because it's not affecting any other book. No one's talking about it. It might as well not be existing. And this book is a self-contained mini series and certainly not like super popular. But it feels when you're reading it like there's there's like oh my god, what's going to happen next? Whereas Dark Crisis doesn't feel like that at all. So this is mm-hmm. this just feels like it. This is a lo- really fun. Universe-spanning adventure in the DC universe right now, and uh, it's, it's it's not something you get a lot anymore because events What's are kind of dead.
0: Is I'm not reading Dark Crisis, and I'm mm-hmm. not I'm actually not reading the main series of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've downloaded them all, and I want to read them all, but I I actually do want to read them. But you yeah. say whatever you want about it, I'm not worried about that. I'm I'm looking through it, but like they're both going on at the same time, and I'm unaware of Dark Crisis. Like yeah. when you said Dark Crisis, I went, "What is that?" It's the I'd third forgotten. issue. We're three yeah. issues into it. I know, but this I'm aware of without even meaning to be. You know, I I picked up like a random one shot of it because I was like, well, let me check it out because I saw Matt Rosenberg's name and, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are not huge James Tinian fans, but we always give him credit where due. I think uh, he's a little harder for me to love the work, but, you know, there's talent skill, blah, 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 all that stuff. He's very, he's, you know, he's, he's well known. He's, he's, he's a pro pretty well right yeah. now. He's a pro. And he can do great stuff. I don't like everything he does, but he does good stuff that I do like. We're gonna talk about more of that later. But Rosenberg, man, he just—I just feel like every time I read one of his books, like especially, I mean, we we talked about what's the furthest place from here a lot of times. Like these DC books and those Marvel books, like he just does a thing in a right way and I, you're right about that like it seems like his dialogue through here and I, I don't know how to qualify that and maybe I'm completely off or it's just a feeling
1: yeah we yeah.
0: Wrong. but he has a way of doing things that is not I, I, I can't put my finger on what it is I can put my finger on what Brian Bendis does but I can't put my finger on what Rosenberg does but I know I really like it I mean
1: maybe it's because he's about he's about our age and so this sort of feels like yeah a book that takes all the things we we liked about comics and puts them together I mean this feels to me like when i was a kid and i would take all my toys and make a giant battle you know mm. like the last battle of the superheroes which I, and you know you get every you get all the aspects of dc in here john constantine is a major player in all these books now which is fine but like you know hmm. everyone is in trouble but black canary and Green Arrow also find time to reconnect and and you know have naked time and Barbara's been glamored by Dick so she's having these nightmares about him and Starfire together and but then Constantine shows up to her all bloodied and burned and she's a major player in all this and and you know the big chip they have is Supergirl who's trying to hide her away from the vampires like it's all it feels like we're at that moment in the story where everything is shifting gears and the heroes are going to get back onto their feet because right now they've been really messed up and it's just yeah. been fun it's just, it's just been really fun and it's just it's a beautiful book the colors I want to mention, Otto Schmidt colors it with Perluigi Casolino. I love this, there's a great use of reds. Reds are sort of dominant color in here in the yeah. backgrounds and all the blood, and it's just it, it's a good-looking book. It's a really good-looking good really book. It really
0: is beautiful. I'm looking through it, and Schmidt has this, he seems to have a talent with having a very busy, not, not a good word for it, but a yep. very full no, busy. page with a lot of stuff in it. But then when he wants to have a scene that is quieter, like it just feels like he dials back the artwork. So if you've got the, this dream sequence or whatever with 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 Dick and Starfire, there's a lot of negative space and emptiness, and the lines are a lot cleaner. There's just less to look at, but in a good way. And he's got the ability to have that dynamism. And the same same thing with the the pages with um Ollie and and um, yep. I said mockingbird again. Almost said mockingbird again. <laughs> you know those scenes where the just the two people are that are intimate you know the line work is incredibly minimal it's exactly where it needs to be the
1: backgrounds go away yeah he does incredibly detailed backgrounds until they want us to focus just on the characters and you know people yes. often knock lack of backgrounds and i've certainly done it in the past but sometimes it's a tool and here yes the point is so you're just focusing on the characters and you're not mm-hmm. you're not concerned with what's happening around them
0: it's just this nice little little thing that you know a, a quality competent artist will will focus on things and use their tools and it's a tool that I I you don't I feel like artists sort of do one thing or the other, and in here he's doing both, and and yeah. I think that's 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 a very sophisticated way to make comics.
1: Yeah, this is, this is I've been enjoying this. In the beginning, I wasn't. It's was like okay, it's like a lightweight deceased, but but as it's gotten further and further into it, it's been fun. They've been they've taken interesting turns on it. And there's a big old battle in the middle where Jan from the Wonder Twins shows to be you know very powerful, and then the last page is this great triptych of the three teams walking towards you, or at least two of them are walking towards you, one of them is floating towards you, but, you know, we're we're, we're entering now the final battle, and I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: I just want to say that you are a man who is middle-aged. We complain about our uh, inability to remember things. Uh You just heard me stumble there, as I wanted to say, but you've used the word anodyne and (laughs) triptych in this conversation, and you just tossed them out, and if nobody else says that they appreciate that about you, I want you to know that I do. Well, thank you. Those are good words. In fact, I had to be like, I'm not entirely sure what the definition of vanadine is, <laughs> and that upset me, but in a good way. You know, like
1: I'm here for you, Josh.
0: That's not a word that I would use, and I want to. And I'm, you know, I'm a person. I've been in many business meetings where people have looked at me like, "What did you just say?" And I was like, "I'm sorry. This is <laughs> how I talk." <laughs> so you know, well done.
1: I was hoping that this would end before deceased started again, because I don't. You don't want to compare the two, but it looks like disease starts next, this month. So. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Look, I had fun reading comics. There were some really good books. We're, we're about to talk about them, but th- at the end of the day, I was most excited to read the next issue of DC vs. Vampires, a book that I've been enjoying the whole time. And and those those side issues you've been talking about, I've also been reading them, and they've been fun too. So we're we, we've got you know it's a fun it's a fun
0: fun sexy time we're having. That that last one with with Deathstroke and the other people who were in it, Azrael was it Azrael? Azrael, yeah, yeah. that that issue was so good. And I just read it all on its own. It didn't mean a damn thing. And it was great. That means it did its job. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it makes you go back and read the other issues that came before it, Then it really did its job. That takes a skill to sort of be able to just throw you into a thing uh, and be able to enjoy it. A, a, a book that you can't do that with is Batman Killing Time, the, the <laughs> sixth and final issue. came out this week. I, I thought this was fantastic. This could have been my pick of the week.
1: I had a revelation real reading it. Go on. This week also, Batman 126 came out, which is Ship Zdarsky's second issue. The last issue was Pick of the Week, and I enjoyed it. But I was thinking about it, and I, I finished reading Batman, then I read Killing Time, I read them back-to-back, and I thought, why did I enjoy Killing Time so much more? And I, I think it's because the story was smaller, even though it, which is crazy to say because it, it spanned thousands of years. But I feel like since the New 52 launched in 2011, Every arc of Batman has been important.
0: This will change everything.
1: Every arc is six to 12 issues, and it's always like Batman's world gets rocked in that arc. And it's Snyderism. Everything he thought he knew is wrong or changes or yeah. something, something important. And it's like, just. And, and we're going to talk about that with the next issue of Iron Man, too. I felt this, like Iron Man was like, this is just a fun little small Iron Man story. Just oh. tell me a fun little small Batman story. I don't want his whole world to rock. I don't want everything right. he knows to change every single six yeah. issues. It becomes exhausting, which is funny to say by reading a comic, but it just becomes mentally exhausting after a while. It feels so, everything feels heavy,
0: I think whereas this right. felt
1: light and fun.
0: That's Scott Snyderification, And, yeah. and I, it isn't to say anything against him. That was his job, and he did it, and it was great. But then that became the norm after that. And you're right, it is exhausting. I think you're really onto something, and Iron Man, that we are going to talk about of this, is probably even a better example of it. Yeah. Either way, so as we get to this... This story started off feeling very complicated, Mm -hmm. and there was going back and forth in time and whatever, and they weren't telling you what was going on, and I think the thing that impressed me most about this issue is that I understood it completely by the end. I went, oh, I get it. I did have to go back and be like, wait, 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 what happened? Because one of the scenes, basically the object that they are all hunting and going after and whatever... It has a resolution in this, but it's told at different places through the issue. So I had to go back and be like, wait, how did that work? And I found it and I went, oh, okay, I understand. So you, you kind of have to put, but it wasn't in an annoying way. It, it just was good. But I, I think the thing that just really impressed me, like this level of plotting yeah. and structure, I can't even imagine it. I th- the, the art that really impresses me is when I read something or hear something, I go, I have no idea how one could do this. And that's right. how this felt, but in a way that it's not because it was complicated; it's because it was intricate and beautiful, and kind of perfect. And, and yeah, I mean that's I Tom King's it.
1: thing is structure, and he did, mm-hmm. this. Is, he, this is a really good example of it working really well. Yeah, and you're right. In the beginning, a lot of people were like, "What the fuck is happening?" I dug it. I dug the weird Watchmen esque style of captioning all the scenes. But then we talked about this last time. Once it was revealed that Clock King was in charge of everything, it's like, oh. And then all this, it's like that moment in the movie where all the pieces lock into place. It's yeah. the moment where Kaiser Soze is revealed. Like It's like, oh, okay, everything that's been happening now makes I sense. I did
0: it 35 minutes ago.
1: Right. <laughs> Dave Marquez, we've been talking about him for years. He's terrific. There's a great scene where Catwoman fights the Help. Not the Help. Is that the Help?
0: Yeah. There's... Yes, the Help. And Clock King doesn't not look like the Help. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they kind of have similar builds and and, and outfits. That's true. I did like that
1: the thing they were all chasing, the eye of God, was just a, like, it's, a, it's been a MacGuffin the whole time, but here, sure. that we find out what it is, it's nothing. It's, it's a symbol. It's a right. piece of a stone statue. It's the eye from the statue. It doesn't hold any mystical powers. It's almost like, you know, throughout history, you've had tyrants who imbue regular objects with mythical power, you know, mm-hmm. to use this hold over the people. And that's kind of, it's just what it is. It's just a, it's just a stone eye. It doesn't mean anything. And I like
0: that. Another thing I really liked, the the way that Clock King is narrating it, and it actually works in this instance, it's not, because it's not like, the, the captions and narration are not like that self, you know, like, I was here and this, and here's what I'm thinking, or whatever. It isn't that. It's it's a narration that makes... Yeah, it's a first-person yeah, narration. It's, it, but it's a narration that makes sense, but he jumps into the helicopter, and they're describing what happens, the art is showing it in a way that works together, but not against each other, and, and really... Great and describes what happened. Like the action scenes are fantastic. Yeah. Like, the helicopter goes up in the air, it explodes. Hear how he jumps out. Clock King takes the motorcycle, and that you, you're you jumping in time a little here and there. And there's a bit here, it's like super classic Batman, is that he reaches in to empty his belt of knockout gas pellets, mm-hmm. and he has 150 of them, and he drops them at just the right level. So it makes everybody pass out. There's this huge action scene. And then as we get down to uh, page 15, it's just Batman, like in a field with gas all around, and he's going around trying to find who's dead and if there's anybody he can save. And they oh, show
1: I love that doing, scene! They show him doing CPR, You desperately resuscitate anybody who's left from that giant battle where you and I got murdered by each it's other.
0: So good, Our
1: yeah. Film. I mean, that was so that was such a classic. You're right. It's like in the midst of all this, he's gonna try to resuscitate who he can in this giant battlefield of dead bodies i thought that was a beautifully drawn scene too as the camera pulls in on him
0: and colored all of it and then and then at the same time they're like when's the last time you saw like a cool batman utility belt thing they didn't do it anymore when i was a kid it was all about the utility belt right that was the centerpiece of the book (laughs) true was what was in that damn belt and he had that happen and then finally because there's things worth Worth talking about here is there's a scene. There's the scene where Clock King and Batman. And this feels very Tom Kingy to me. Is that the bad guy and the good guy are sitting there, which is Alan maury quite honestly. Yeah. If we're going back to Killing Joke, and then and they're talking. And <laughs> Clock King is just going off about some bullshit. <laughs> Batman just elbows him in the face, <laughs> and it's it's a beautiful scene. It's one of my favorite types of comic book pages. Like that's a page worth buying. I'm sure it's digital and you couldn't, but it is just is. I laughed. Like, but, I laughed. Right. Like, oh, this guy is insufferable. Shut the fuck good. up. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know.
1: This was the runner-up, the pick of the week. I just, yeah. this, this is one of my favorite Batman books that's come out in a while. One of my favorite Batman stories. It's big and small and intimate and large and.
0: It turned out not to be big. Like, the right. world-ending aspect of it was, bu- you said it was MacGuffin, it's bullshit, another good word. <laughs> I said bullshit, you say MacGuffin. And, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It
1: also like there's a, there's a one page scene where he goes to talk to Ghul, and they have a sword fight. Like it, it felt very much like again a guy close to our age doing all the classic elements from the sort of the Bronze Age Batman. Mm-hmm. It's a six issue Batman story. It's not trying to change his world. It's just a story about a you know Catwoman and Riddler trying to steal something. Yes, look, was this book originally mm-hmm. a attempt to capitalize off the film featuring all the film characters? Yes, but he they told a really compelling Batman story through it.
0: Yeah. Didn't even occur to me. Yeah. I also didn't finish the movie. So <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was so good. And it's one of those things, like at first I was like, I like this, you know? And, yeah. and then in the middle I was like, oh, I think this is pretty good. And then by the, like, you know, it, it takes patience. It takes, you know, trust in the in the creators that it's going to come together. And when it does, you just feel, I'm so glad I spent my time with this. Yeah.
1: yeah. Iron Man 22, Christopher Cantwell on Angel Unzueta. And that is another book that, it just feels like they're telling a fun Iron Man story. It's not, you know, the last the the last storyline with this creative team, or at least Christopher Cantwell, was the very long story having to deal with that dude. Tony becomes a god.
0: Yeah, Korvac, Michael yeah. Korvac, which and I enjoyed I it, but, but it was also name.
1: yeah, it was very long and very, you know, big. And this is just there's an underground marketplace selling like the biggest weapons in. The Marvel Universe are the most dangerous weapons in the Marvel Universe. And Tony and Rhodey are going to break it up. And that's all it is. And I really enjoyed it.
0: And it, it's interesting because, first of all, this is the first book I read this week. And when I finished, I was so happy. It's exactly the reason. I, and I pinned it right away. I was like, oh, it's just, it's just an Iron Man story. And I, yeah. I feel like this is going to be a theme we're going to keep coming back to. But it was just like, oh, we can be done with this in two or three issues. And it's a problem. And the buddies get together. And they have to fix it. And there's a shady guy from the past who comes in to help. And it was great. And and it is a small story, but like the stakes are enormous. Yeah. Like it's like these bad guys have all the worst possible weapons that anybody in Marvel that Jack Kirby could ever think of.
1: And and, and Tony even gets gassed with the gas that killed Captain Marvel in the 70s. So yeah. in nineteen eighty. It was melodramatic. We go through waves on this show where it's like we enjoy something for a while, but then it gets overdone and we we're sick of it. We want something new. And I think right now you and I might be in the same place where it's like, just tell me a small, fun story featuring the characters. Don't, you don't have to rock their world every time.
0: Right, and let them and, be the characters. Yeah, like, I'm them, just enjoying those smaller things. ones. Don't, don't make you know, Tony an amputee who can't get to his costume. Right. Just put him in his suit with his other friend in his suit and let him do suit shit. <laughs> right. And, and like, there was also a couple of things in here, like the tone, which I, I like Chris Cantwell. I've, I've said that many times, many things he's done that I like. But there's a tone to this. Well, first of all, I don't dislike Tony Stark in this book. And that's not nothing. Because right. I don't like him in a lot of books anymore. But there's a bit where Titanium Man, who's ridiculous, comes <laughs> through and Tony just looks up and he goes, ah, cripes. And I was like, I want more cripes in my comics. <laughs> I want that kind of thing. You know, it's just there was, there was banter. There's yeah. a punch. There's a scene where he's fighting him, where basically, you know, their suits are all matched, and he's like, "Yeah, but you know how to do this." And he's like, the John Wayne haymaker and the Steve Rogers <laughs> roundhouse. And I was like, "There you go. Just have some punching." Yeah. And it was it was just silly enough and just overarching enough, and uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I really did. And uh, this is just a good issue of a mainstream comic book. And, yeah. And I, it's it's shocking how often we don't see that.
1: Yeah, you know when we were. When we were kids, you had those big, important stories, but you, you also had a lot of stories that were just fun, you know, it, and this was fun. It brings fun. up the
0: question, like, why, why is that Killing Time story? Why isn't a story like that never just part of the Batman series? Yeah, I don't know. You're in five, you're out, like, you know, this isn't just a normal Iron Man series, but it actually felt so self-contained that I, I, I found myself thinking, was this like a one-shot? Is <laughs> this not related to it? Because they just don't do it like that. Right. Every, and we've talked about it. That uh, you know, comics have that illusion of change, and they keep it going like a soap opera or whatever. But it's almost like we've taken that to an extreme.
1: Well, you know, it all happened with the, the trades. Yes, and you know, if you go back in the show, we were big proponents of that format. But when you had to write six issue arcs, and they had to you know be compelling enough to sell a collected edition, mm-hmm. it's it's harder to have Spider-Man well, punching a, bur- a burglar.
0: And that that is also why, like, killing time actually doesn't work in the series because you would never have time to conceive that plot if you were Doing having it to do a script yeah. every twice. No, no, biweekly. Oh yeah. I forget, you, know, yeah, I you, wouldn't, forget. you So I, I think that that has a lot to do with that feeling of, like, you just keep going, all right, got to do another one. I know where it's going to end. I know, you know, but it's got to keep going, and it's got to be epic. And so you're just always piling on steaks and steaks and steaks, and it never stops. That sounds like a delicious meal.
1: And normally, Josh and I love when you pile on
0: steaks. Yeah. Uh,
1: Especially that one time <laughs> where... Josh, I was visiting Josh. We were in our 20s going to Comic-Con, and we were, I'd come to, this is a tangent, but whatever, we, I'd come to LA to visit Josh. He was living in LA at the time, and I was in New York, and uh, we had bought too many steaks you know, early in the week to make for dinner, and so Josh was like, we have these four steaks. Should we just eat them for breakfast before we go to Comic-Con? And I was like, sure. So we had two steaks each for breakfast, and then drove to San Diego. Even in our 20s, that was a mistake
0: yeah a mistake
1: I, we would both die now like we, they'd well, no, us, that's what i was thinking they'd was find like, us oh. by the side of the road like,
0: I, I was like oh the, the the problems i would have after that <laughs> first thing in the morning like it wouldn't even be but not of that i can't even afford steaks anymore so <laughs> i'm
1: actually very excited to talk to you about the scumbag 14 the final issue which i was surprised to buy because i got to the end of this issue and i thought oh people are gonna hate this but i love it <laughs> Roland Bashi is the artist on it, and this is the final issue of a series we've really enjoyed from Rick Remender. Yeah. And this is one of those issues where we, before we get to the ending, where listen, we've been following Rick's career pretty closely for the last you know twelve or so years, and mm-hmm. lately he has been using his comics as soapboxes for how he feels about the world
0: (laughs) i don't think lately i think this is a thing we we talked about this before
1: he's been more naked about it this is a pretty nakedly
0: like rick remender is in his comics like this isn't a guy who's trying to hide himself in it he is inserting him his his spirit his essence is in all of his comics and it works to his benefit uh most of the time to his credit but yeah it's pretty it's pretty on the nose here (laughs) This
1: here. He has this scumbag character basically yelling at both sides—the super liberals and the super conservatives—who are in fighting their their war, like a literal war in the city, about how they're both wrong and they're they're both, you know, gone too far. And it's totally—you can see Rick's anxiety about the world, you know, on each page of here. And then the, the big twist is uh, at the end. We find out that this entire series has been a, a hallucination. As uh, in the very first issue. The scumbag was ODing, and here uh, he's he's continuing to OD. We find out that everything has been happening in his brain as he dies. As it's Hill Street Blues, saying St. elsewhere as St. Characters, elsewhere, from, sorry. characters from characters uh, from the book are the, the paramedics and people around him trying to save him. It was actually a very sad, you know, ending because he yes he says you know did I did I do it? Did I save the world? And the paramedic who is was well, also his secret agent partner says you did it. You saved everyone. We're so grateful and, and fucking amen and dies. And so like. People who don't like those kind of endings, I thought we will hate this book, but I really liked it because the whole book was was ridiculous as it was
0: it was and and I think the bit in the mo- in the middle where he's like, "I'll fix this," and he gives his speech, and everybody listens to him like they're reasonable, yeah, and they're like, oh "My God, he's right. And I was like, this is weird <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> they threw they, they it on their guns, they start making out in the street, and
0: yeah. it's cathartic, you know yeah. in a way, and he does say all those things, and when you're saying people i, I think I think the thing that most people are going to hate is that he throws. I don't. I don't think many of the younger comic readership are necessarily going to appreciate the fact that he's laying blame equally on both sides of a political yeah. divide, and that is a conversation to be had many times. But I think if you're talking about extremism on on either side, like, yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> I won't specify, but let's say one side kind of comes off as evil, and then one side comes off as extremely annoying, <laughs> and you know, like he's saying, you're both awful. And, you know, there's some sense to that. And, I, you know, this is, a, this, is a story, this is a book written by a, you know, 50-year-old man, more or less. And I think that that has something to do with it.
1: This is not this week, but you're not reading Deadly Class anymore, right? No. I think it was last week when it came out where the main character, we jumped into the future so much. He's, he's older and he he's a writer. He sells a TV series and he, he becomes the showrunner. Jesus. I, I think you should read it. The entire issue is, is his angst of being a showrunner. And I was like, Jesus, Rick. <laughs> like, just.
0: These <laughs> <laughs> are not supposed to be autobiographies. <laughs> you, you couldn't, but it is. I mean, like, I Deadly know. Class is an autobiography. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very amped up or whatever. Not for sure that one is, yeah. Like, his fucking stories about his youth are terrifying. Oh, yeah. I think this is a correct ending. I wasn't sure what I thought about it at first, but it makes sense, by the way. He has, he has a lady thong on. Why does he have his pants off and his around his ankle? I don't remember what I'm I don't thinking. remember what happened in the first
1: issue i remember was, i remember being in the out instead of being shot by the you know the 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 weapon that gives him the superpowers he's actually just dying from this from his uh, yeah from his shot i I knew something was up when he when when his partner started to have sex with him. I was like, wait a minute right this is this not is right.
0: this is such a vertigo book yeah. You know what I mean? Like the length, the way that it went, the voice, the way it looks. It's like this is a Vertigo book, and I miss Vertigo. It's true. Like real Vertigo.
1: The old days of scalped.
0: Yeah, it was great. What
1: a great. That was even late Vertigo.
0: It's only fourteen issues. I feel like it's fifty issues, and yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way. But I just looked, I was like, really, it was only fourteen? That's kind true. of amazing.
1: And that's yeah, the first issue of five image books we're about to talk about after this print. I love, I love this cover.
0: <laughs> I love this cover. It's yeah. fantastic.
1: Let's talk about how people can help the show, Josh. While we take a break, we'll talk about more image books. One of these is Dark Horse. I forgot. So we four image books and a Dark Horse book.
0: If you like the show, you can get to patreon.com ifanboy, where you can directly support the show. We unlock shows for everybody. Your explodes, your media, your talk, your uh, uh, book, these sorts of things. You can become part of a great community over on Facebook. There's one, from what I hear. And Discord. We do not have a LinkedIn uh, community. Uh, <laughs> think of starting it. We can all talk about our career career goals and what we think the ideal workplace should be uh, in the context of today's comics. Our n- next stretch goal is unknown. We are going to be switched those up. We need to put a meeting on the books, Connor, is what we need to do.
1: We had it on the books and I took vacation. Now we'll put it back on the books.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I will resent that you put a meeting on the books. It's not They're your so- fault. It's just what I do. What else have you got to do? Ouch. <laughs> uh, I've been going <laughs> Oh follow my social media for what's going on with that. Yeah. I IFambo.threadless.com. There are twelve designs on t shirts and more, uh, including our newest design, the gosh, good old superheroes. I, I love I, I just keep saying, like, I, I love I love what we have put out in the world with this stuff. I really I'm so proud of it. It's it's not lame and uh and they're good and I, I like that we uh, took time and like shot everything down until we got to stuff we liked I'm proud of that uh, you can go to ifambo.com slash support uh, where you can find direct donations via PayPal ifambo.com slash Amazon um, where there are links to buy the books on, and music from the show uh, all that stuff bookshop.org is the place we have partnered with uh, to help you would order books and they would come from local bookstores real mm-hmm. places where folks are, are selling books uh, which are so important to our society and culture you probably have no idea but I understand sort of um, we will put those links in where appropriate well, the
1: great thing about bookshop.org is you can you can assign your money to a certain bookstore or to the pool that, mm-hmm. that they share and I have it assigned to a certain bookstore and I was able to go in person over vacation and buy a bunch of books
0: in, oh fantastic yeah I I recommend print a bookstore in Portland, Maine uh, run by uh, co-owned by a former uh, iFanboy contributor and good friend of mine Josh Christie Great store. I've been in there. I, I love that place. So he's, he's an old bookseller, veteran now. I don't even know if they're on there, quite honestly. You could just order from them directly if you wanted to. That's a free plug for my pal, who I haven't seen in years either.
1: Thanks to everyone who supports the show. Sometimes more important than ever to support the show. You know, no one's getting rich off the show, but we are spending a lot of time on it. So this helps make up for that time and it helps, you know, out, helps us out when we're in a pinch. So,
0: yeah. you know, thank you to everyone
1: who does that. We do appreciate it. Stillwater.
0: Yeah, Stillwater 14. This had plot development and things changed, and it stepped us forward. But in a little part of me thought of it like, oh, it's not going to end for longer now. Well, they, I think they,
1: they announced the ending. It's not that too far off. Right. But two things about the, I mean, yes, this was a big issue because this is the the town of immortal people. The secret immortal town has annexed the town next door.
0: Because they threw larger borders on the map.
1: <laughs> yeah, they want more stuff. Some people want more people to have sex with because they're getting bored of the people in the town. But there was a point where, like, at the end, people showed up and I was like, I don't know who these people are. Am I supposed to know who these people are? It's hard to keep track sometimes books like this over a monthly period because there's so much coming at you where and they're not wearing costumes. So I was like, wait, think that, who's the dude with the
0: beard? Do I know that guy? I think I managed to understand something about this. Like, who are the three? I don't remember. I think I understood something about this series with this issue and is basically exactly what you're saying is like I don't actually know any of the characters. Mm -hmm. I don't understand like I know who the boy is who took over you know and he's the little kid who's actually 46 you know who's now the mayor in charge of the town and for a little while you weren't sure if he was evil or not. Actually one thing I think is interesting about the book is that characters aren't necessarily evil like you've seen this kid being evil but you've also seen him being sort of you know respectable you know like it goes either way and you can't pin him down which mm-hmm. sort of makes sense if you lived in this situation i actually buy that but i don't really know any of them and therefore i don't really care about any of them like there was the guy and his mother who sort of started off the whole thing and, and yep. i thought maybe they'll be the emotional they were the character main characters yeah. lynchpin but i don't really remember where they are or what they're doing it's like the town is
1: the main character and not the characters yes. i just looked we're in the middle of the final arc okay this is the final arc. I think it ends with issue nineteen
0: or twenty. I think that is the flaw of the series is that I don't. I'm not hooked on anybody's story. You know. I, you know. Say what you will, but you know, Walking Dead. You know, and this is a this is sort of a version of that type of story. Mm-hmm. Had a he, it had a person. You know you, that sure. you could always hang your hat on, and it had others, and you knew all those characters really well. And I don't know these characters really well, and I think that that is a flaw. In, yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more
1: of the high concept as, as the selling point like I, I want to mm-hmm. find out what's going to happen next with this town right. as opposed to any of the people by, specifically
0: but it's not personal and that's I think yeah. a weakness
1: I really do enjoy it and when it comes out I'm excited yes. to read the next issue I, I thought there was a great scene in this with the, the lady in the diner with the kid first of all I, re- I realized that, that if wonderful scene if we'd been living in this town Josh we would be this kid because I think they said time stopped in like 1985 or something uh-huh. and I was like shit we would be nine years old forever eight or whatever it is yeah but you know he loved this burger and he would sneak out of town to go get this burger and that's part of why he annexed the town and and she was like you know why you like the burgers because you you felt when you left your town you felt tired and you felt hungry which is feelings you didn't feel in your town so it was the burger tasted better because of that and now that you've taken this town over that burger's not gonna taste that good anymore and i was like fuck
0: that's a smart diner
1: counter lady yeah. Well, she's old. She's seen the world. She's seen a lot. That's true. But I thought that was a smart just sort of, you know, observation yeah. about why why you enjoy things, why, why things are good when they've been earned.
0: Yeah. Well, that was a great, what, two, three-page sequence. Yeah. Uh, it really was. Yeah, it stuck out. Also from Image this week was a book called Golden Rage, number one. I had no idea what it was. I, mm-hmm. I picked it up. Because I saw it was a number one, which is what I always do when I see a number one from any of these people. I say, is this something I could get into? And I flipped through it a little bit. And I thought, all right, let's give it a shot. I don't know what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is a... I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. it is a weird story about this island where women have who have... Who, post-menopausal women... Are, are shipped off to because they're no longer of use to society. That is pretty much as m- much explanation as it is. And, the be- and they're all savage, evil bastards on, on the island. And so when you show up there, it's really dangerous and there's these little cabals and, and you know groups of people that got together to protect each other. Um, and this younger woman gets there. I, I just gave away the reveal, by the way. Mm-hmm. They were like, you had early menopause? And she's like, yeah. And that's, that's why she's there and they kind of talk about it. And it's this you know society of women Uh, you know, who are trapped in this place for some reason that we don't understand because they're no longer able to breed, I guess.
1: Savage grandmas. Um,
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's pretty good. Like, I think, I think the art was strong. I think the, the, the plot in laying out where we were was really strong. It, you know, at first you have the mystery, but by the end I was like, okay, I know where we are. I know what's going on. I understand this main character's, you know, trepidation. You know, at one point, you know, these people are being nice to her, but it's also kind of scary and she's not sure what's going on. And, and she holds a weapon to the throat of the old nice grandma who's, you know, Sophia from Golden Girls, basically. Uh, you know, I've never read anything like this. <laughs> it was, or at least not from this perspective Sure, I, I, I get that I, I didn't like this at all But mm-hmm. I see
1: what you're saying It is it is totally yeah. unique Yep. But I just didn't like the art I didn't think the story was very strong I thought the metaphor was what it was But
0: I want to know where they're going with it I want to know if there's going to be something beyond Just this obvious thing that they're saying Because I keep There's a lot of stories that deal with social issues That don't make it that far Mm-hmm they present the social issue up front, and you go, "Oh, that's terrible," and then there's no sort of resolution or thought about it. And I want this to have that. I want to know what you actually have to say about this, and right. I want it to be something illuminating. And it doesn't always happen, but I'm open for the, you know, you. I mean, like you know what I'm saying. Like it's like we're going to introduce a diverse character, and then it's like, well, now what? You know, right. that's not that doesn't get you where you really want to be, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I get the metaphor that women are only valued for their sexuality. When their sexuality is out, then there's no value. But I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think that's true. But
0: no, but I mean, that's it. Maybe it's that's how they feel. Whatever. There's different kinds of value. Also, actually, I like the art. I didn't have I have a problem with that. I like the way that it was colored and it has this sort of um, I don't know, Raphael Albuquerque kind of deal going on. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't love it, but I, I I didn't I didn't hate it. I was like, all right, that was that was something interesting. Sneak a Dark Horse book in my image block. I'm sorry about that. Just, that's my own fault. Frankenstein New World number one by, it's right, Mac Mignola, Christopher Golden, and uh, Thomas Nigoski I don't ever know how to say that name, with art by Peter Bergting, who I love. I don't, I don't see his stuff enough, uh, European artist. I pretty much always will read a Mike Mignola number one. Sure. I, I, will, I will pretty much just always read it, largely because I just kind of know what to expect. It's like a Yusagi Yojimbo. Like, you know what you're going to get, and it's a good thing. What was rad about this is that, I'm going to spoil it, the reveal is that this is the world way after BPRD ends and the monsters take over. Oh, interesting. And so I thought this was just a Frankenstein story, and then I was kind of reminded, I was like, I think Frankenstein was involved with the BPRD and Hellboy, and I'm, I was trying to remember that. And so you come in, and there's this underground society, and they have an artificial sun or something like that, and their oracle is this mysterious figure and they've come up with this whole religion and culture around it and this little girl's like, I need to go talk to that oracle and it turned out that that is, and nobody wants to go near him because he's sacred and whatever and it turns out to be Frankenstein and he wakes up and he's like, oh, I gotta go take care of some stuff. You know, and he goes <laughs> to the surface world and you're like, oh, this is where shit went down at the end of bprd like this is what's left of the world these this group of people went underground and created a society there was and i don't remember the details about it but there was a sword in bprd and it mm-hmm. had like two it was like wide and then had two little tips that curve out at the end and it was like the super powerful sword And mm-hmm. i think a couple of different characters had it and they'd had it all through history and frankenstein finds that sword and i was like oh shit that's cool and it doesn't say bprd on it as far as i can tell this is a and deep I cut that. for the fans i mean yeah i mean good luck with them from a marketing standpoint <laughs> i guess But it, well it actually says at the top this is from the world of hellboy frankenstein new world go. but I, I didn't catch that i thought that was great and, and again i haven't read bprd in forever i know i finished it when it ended
1: didn't it all end with some sort of like ragnarokian
0: situation where everybody died Yeah, basically, like the monsters took over the world. That's the thing that they were fighting all the time. They failed and the monsters took over the world and it sucked, you know, and then we just jumped way forward in time and and we're seeing it here and it was great. I was so happy about that continuity I wasn't expecting. You know who's not getting credit is Mike Mignola because
1: he should be talked about amongst like Cerbus and Bone and Strangers Mm -hmm. in Paradise in terms of, I mean, look, these are not totally in the dark horse is a major publisher but like he's done this like multi-decade story run in this world
0: i mean if you want to be a comic creator you should go that's a career i want yeah like this guy has the best career oh for sure
1: but he's he's taken he's taken this these characters in this world he's that you know created what was the early 90s -hmm. and you know it's he's still going with it here we are in 2022 and he's found another phase of it it's an epic story when you lay it all out. Yeah. He's just he, he gets credit for pieces, but he doesn't get credit for the entire thing that he's been doing here, which is a, like, 30-year story.
0: Yeah. And it, I think it's, it's because impressive. he's so... The work is so understated. hmm It's so understated. Like, even the stuff that is, like, this big world-ending stuff, you... you, I don't know. You just kind of absorb it. And and he can he just... He can do little stories. He can do whatever. You know, BBRD was fantastic but i'd be i'd be hard-pressed to give you specific moments about it but i enjoyed every bit of it uh i don't know it's it's you're right like he's 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 a legend he's i mean he's the i've talked about this like he's the one guy who i was like i don't want to interview him i don't want (laughs) to talk to that guy and it's just because i I want him to be a concept in my mind more than Mm -hmm. i want him to be a real person um and i'm keeping i'm keeping that one for myself that's the way i always described it you know and i you know taking this one back I like meeting people and knowing them. I like, you know, you know, and it's, it, sometimes it affects how you read it. And sometimes it doesn't like knowing Tom King does not affect how I read his stories. It doesn't. Right. I don't know why, you know, I don't know Rick Remender anymore, but we knew him at one time and like, I'm like, there's that guy, you right. know, <laughs> like, and that's, that's fine or whatever. But Mike Mignola, I want him to be at least somewhat of an enigma. I, I don't want to know he's a regular person. I'm pretty sure he's a regular person. Like when I met Walt, Simonson, for the first time, I was like, oh my God, he's so a regular person. And yeah. like a great person, don't get me wrong. But I just, I was, and I don't not like knowing that, but I, I'm, I'm going to keep Mignola. That's my that's my story.
1: The closet number three, the final issue of The Closet, James Tenney and the Fourth and Gavin Fullerton. And I really like this. Yes. If this was like a 10 page prose short story, this is basically what it is. It's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a short story. It's very on the nose about the metaphor,
0: but it worked in this scenario and i liked it i think that the thing is is that what i think was brilliant and i'm going to use that word is that at first the metaphor was fairly obvious but i thought this is comics so it's not going to be a metaphor mm-hmm. you know that you see the monster it shows up and you think Ugh, this is going to turn into the real thing like they're all go- and, and that's the that's the genius of the story is that the whole time this guy is discounting this monster and you were thinking this is a real monster Right, it's and a this monster's going to show up, and it's going to be a thing. Yeah. And then, you know, the end of it, they're like, "This is absolutely a metaphor, but also it is no less real or scary because of that." Yeah,
1: and traumatic. I mean, the yes, the we talk about every issue of this series. It's about the the, the father and his son. The son, there's a monster in the closet that keeps coming to terrorize the son, and it's been causing strife in their in their marriage. And the husband's pretty awful. And here we get more of a breakdown of you know he cheated on his wife with he was a stay at home dad his wife's high powered and he cheated on her with one of the baby. you know one of their nannies in the park and he kept her she was young so she made him mixtapes and wrote him letters and polaroids this clearly takes place in the 90s or something he's,
0: he's Kevin he's Kevin Spacey not not really i meant yeah. the character from American Beauty sorry he kept a box full of her stuff in his son's closet which
1: is an asshole move and his constantly going to check on it was became the monster in the closet she you know he looked like the the silhouette of the monster and then mm. the monster becomes a uh, personification of the trouble in the marriage and the the uh stress of the home yeah yeah and the all the the stress and the anger and the angst in the house and uh it just ends in a horrible like it's just a sad note it ends terribly like they get to portland and nothing has changed they they get in a giant silent argument cuz we don't really know or care it doesn't matter what they're fighting about. I mean we know what they're fighting about but it doesn't matter the words they're saying doesn't matter cuz to the kid it's all the same and so he goes back to the closet and as the the creepy hand opens the door and the book ends. I thought it was really good. I thought this was It was, was and yeah. and I
0: think we spent a lot of time talking about you know we mentioned James Tinian early mm-hmm. earlier and I, you know I have to give like I think when nice house on the lake was good and then it was intriguing more than it was good and then I was like I give I I tried. I hung on for a long time, but it was just too much. It was just too much. Mm -hmm. And this is the opposite of that. You know, it's three issues in and out. We actually spend most of the time with the dad. Yep. And you you see it from his perspective. So you spend most of the story thinking he's trying, but he's got the... And then by the end of this, you're just like, he's awful. Yeah. And he hasn't... He doesn't... He's not willing to admit that it's his fault. It's his complicity. And, you know, there's probably an interpretation of this by somebody reading, it, like, why is it always going to be the dad? But, like, you know, this is not an unreal character. This is yeah. a real thing. This happens. We all have been affected by it, either directly or indirectly in our lives, you know, of a certain age anyway. You know, and it it, it, there's, there's, it shouldn't work in comic book form. I, I really don't think it should. It's mostly this guy taught standing around whining. The sage, <laughs> older black man with cancer shows up in this one to talk to him. You know, like, it's <laughs> such a, a stereotype but it worked. It did work. And I think that the one thing that we haven't done is given enough credit to uh, Gavin Fullerton and, yeah. and Chris O'Halloran on Art and Colors is that the acting in this thing is spectacular. And every time you see that little boy, it fucking breaks your heart. It is it, crushing. You know, as a dad.
1: Well, there was the one scene where the monster's on his chest choking him. And I was like, fuck, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a really visceral... And like the... Interpretation of the the crushing weight of what's happening in the house. That, that's that's on the kid is just
0: sad and scared. He's yeah. four, yeah. and the dad is resentful of the fact that the kid's hurt, and you're the one hurting the kid. Yeah. And I just like that cuts me to the quick. I I it it was, it was really well done. And so you know all, all the credit to the the team who did this. I, it was, and it was just enough.
1: And thanks to the patrons because it was the patron pick. We weren't going to read it.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad we did. So thank you. I think I read it anyway,
1: but. Maybe, I you I did, probably did because it number dead. one, but I wasn't going to read it. We did And so that's a good segue to the patron pick. Every week, the patrons of the show at patreon.com slash ifanbook get to vote to add a book to the rundown. And so sometimes books like that sneak in and we love them. And sometimes they don't. It's just, a, it's a gamble. This week, the winner by a wide margin, the new champion of Shazam, number one, from DC Comics, written by Josie Campbell, art by Evan Shaner and letters by Becca Carey. It's a four issue miniseries about Mary Marvel, I guess her name is, Mary Shazam. These characters have no fucking names. i haven't been following the adventures of billy batson he's been i guess over in titans academy is where he's been i guess apparently he is trapped in the rock of eternity the shazam family no longer has all the powers all the characters from the movie that they they brought to the to the comics so now all of the power of shazam is no longer broken up between eight people it's now all of all and mary as she goes off to college the vassar i think yeah on our first day this is beautiful we love Doc Shiner. I thought the issue was just fine overall, though.
0: Four was the, the patron pick. I hadn't really noticed where we were with that. I kind of went back and forth. I was going to read it. And I looked and I was like, I don't know the name Josie Campbell. And that sometimes will make me not read a book, which is wrong. I'm sorry. And then I saw Doc Shaner had drawn it. And I was like, why don't I know about this? And so that was the first thing that made me grab it. My take on the issue was, and I'm trying to look up as I can. It should be harder to find what she wrote. Or should be easier to find. I, I think she's name, a though. comedian. She is, but I don't. She done. I feel like she's done comics before. She's yeah. She did Wonder Woman, Black and Gold. She did Future State. I really didn't like the first bit of it, which was she goes to her dorm room and there's these two girls and she's like these girls are amazing and I was like these girls are annoying. <laughs> I was like, that's your take on this, and I get it. Like the theme, the concept of this girl who just wants to live her life you know, without having the power of a God and being part of a thing and being, she's a foster kid and all this stuff. I get it. I understood it. I think it was wrought a little silly. Like it was a little like, well, you know, she's a, she's she's,
1: I was gonna say small time, but she's from Philadelphia, but she's, you know, a foster kid who has spent her formative years taking care of this family of foster kids. Mm-hmm. And she goes to college and one roommates from New York and one's from LA and they seem really cool to her. And I get that, even though I did think they're annoying, but we're, we're supposed to think they're annoying because we're in our 40s. Right. But I get why she didn't think they were annoying. I get why she yeah. thought they were so cool.
0: But the, the point being, like when I'm reading it, I was like, I, you know, I, I get it. I'm not supposed to like this. This isn't for me, right. whatever. But I was like, I don't care then. I don't really want to read it. But I did think that she's trying to do everything a certain way, and she opens up her bag, and the rabbit starts talking to her. And at that point, it, I did enjoy it more. And I liked that she basically was forced into being a superhero, great power, responsibility, yep. blah, blah, blah. I thought from that point, it did get a lot better. And her conflict was very real. You know, it's like you mm-hmm. have to do this job. I don't want to do this job, but you have to, and it's the right thing. And the rabbit is there. And again, that's a cutesy, you know, device or whatever. But I thought it was a nice way to do it. And then she comes home, and the cops are there, and I was like, that's not good. And it isn't. And that's you know, it's a fine plot. Yeah. You know, I thought it was okay. I didn't dislike it. I'm going to read the whole four issues. Basically, at the beginning, I didn't like it, and at the end, I did. I didn't love it, but I I thought it pulled out of something that I thought was going to be one thing and turned to be another. <laughs> I've always liked.
1: Mary Marvel, I've always liked the Marvel family. Captain Marvel's one of, mm-hmm. my, one of my favorite characters as a kid. I mean, I, I, I just need them to give them a the fucking name. Like, sure. I get it. We're not calling them Captain Marvel or Mary Marvel anymore, but then you got to call them something.
0: You know what's funny? It's like Naomi. They need a name. It doesn't even occur to me that they're not that anymore because I just think of it. I'm filling in that blank in my head, so I don't think about it. I call her Mary Marvel because they're not telling me to call her anything else. I know, and I did. I was like, oh, she's, right, that's right. She's Mary Marvel. She's. The, I just... They're the Marvel family. Like she's supposed to look different, different
1: when she changes, though. Like, yeah, she's wow. supposed to change a little bit, like Billy does, you know. Right. But I think she's more
0: muscly and
1: yeah. But like her hair is still short. I don't know. I, I, it it it's not a huge problem, but no. it's just if you're going to keep reintroducing these characters, you got to fix it. Like I get it. You don't want to use your accomplished name, anymore. No maybe there's a legal problem. I don't know. But then you got to give me something else to work with here. I'm going to keep calling her Mary Marvel, and I'm not going to call him Shazam so do something no
0: he's captain marvel i think the thing is we'll just that's headcanon we'll just go nope that's captain marvel that's mary marvel it's fine we'll do that Um, ratings wait 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 wait. What? doc shaner is doc shaner and it is a thing of joy and again i know that he likes drawing mary marvel like he's talked about it forever it's his book that he wants to work on it's fine but i'm still i'm still like why just put him on fucking superman (laughs) put him on superman I don't I don't see why that's not a thing. and I keep waiting that one of these projects will be the one like, oh, we need to put this guy on the big book and they right. don't and I find it annoying. uh ratings
1: well, he he has been teasing this book for a while on his Instagram, which is why I' sure. coming
0: because uh, he's very excited about it. but yes, but I also he, know like he's drawn this character like just on Instagram or whatever for the longest time. he loves to well draw the this the, the visual look is so cool of these characters. Mm-hmm.
1: It really is and I, this is this is much more of a classic looking Mary Marvel. There's mm-hmm. no hood. It, it's just it's, yeah, yeah. It, it very much is of the old school variety.
0: I will say that as a person who I don't think has a lot of comics under their belt and has been a comedy writer and worked for TV, did Shira, I guess. When I look at the pages, that's a fuck ton of dialogue, especially for sort of the first third of it. Yeah, but I don't think that I necessarily felt that. Yeah. no, I didn't think it something. was overwrought. No, but it, like, you can see it on the page. You're like, oh, slow down. But it was done well enough. Like her dialogue is strong.
1: Anyway. Ratings. Third time's the charm. Ratings.
0: Ratings. Three and a half. I was going to go three. So three
1: and a half, three. The Champions It didn't blow my socks off, but I enjoyed it. The art's terrific. Check it out if you like the Marvel family. Because that's what they are. Yep. Yeah.
0: I- I'll read Patreon.
1: it. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can vote out a book to the rundown. But every week we like to give a superpower to a patron who gives it the $5 or higher level. And this week's winner of the superpower is William White. And William White's power... Josh. I'm listening. Is that he has complete and utter control over gut bacteria. Wow. Yeah. that's You know, like Ant-Man can talk to the ants and sort of Uh help control their movements and Aquaman can talk to the fish. Well, William can communicate with the gut bacteria and they listen to his words. According
0: to more recent science, then, he could fix everything. Right. Right. You know what I found out recently? Uh I can't eat ice cream at night. Old man theater. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, I made a huge mistake.
1: (laughs) Well, he could help you with that. He could make your gut bacteria work for you. He can make your bacteria work against you.
0: Now, granted, this could be evolution saying, hey, asshole, don't eat ice cream at night. It's a bad (laughs) idea. But the thing is, I don't know when else I can eat it. So, because I got some ice cream, I can't eat it during the day because my kids will want it. That's not going to happen. Sure. I'm, I'm left with night. That's all you've got. Is one o'clock in the morning. 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. is my time. <laughs> no, granted, I'm not eating ice cream that late. That's insane. <laughs> I'm 45. We haven't hit that level yet. No. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a good power. I like that. I like where you're going. He can through.
1: really mess you up or help you. And that's what William White can do. Can I?
0: Yep. I I'm going to get off this sc- for just one second. And, and mm-hmm. I had meant to mention this because you weren't around, I think, when it came out. But this little three page tribute to Neil Adams that is oh, yeah. the back of all the DC books mm-hmm. and I wanted to wait for you around like it's fantastic I I, yeah. I love it I've read it several times the first time I got to the last page and I fucking cried like not not like full on but I was like I had a feeling yeah. and I just oh, yeah. thought this is this is brilliant and it's it's tactful and it's the right thing and it's all these great quotes from people and uh, I just appreciate it That's and his son drew it yep
1: Tom King wrote it his son drew it and it was really nice because at first you're like what yep. is happening and then it sort of unfolds into this you know it's a bunch of Comic pros giving him praise, but also in terms of this little art piece in the story that's happening, is is the characters themselves giving him praise.
0: And it's all the ones that he, you know, he put his huge stamp on or created. Yeah, DC. Like, I
1: love this, the final image of them. It's like waiting for him at a con to sign their books, and they're all very excited with their stack of comics. And I just.
0: Look at Hal and Ollie are just fucking thrilled. Even Batman has a nice smile on. Yeah,
1: I thought it was really nice. I mean, there's been, you know, there's been nice tributes. George Perez did did a nice one instead of Marvel and. It's just, it's tough. But that was really, it one of the better ones.
0: Neil Adams' top five. I oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. not even a question. So he deserves it and more.
1: Patreon.com slash fanboys where William gave the $5 eye level. Thanks to William and you can vote there. And uh, let's, you know, we're long, but fuck it. Let's do an email. I've been, I've been gone for three weeks. Jason M. I've been thinking about this for about a week now since reading Amazing Spider-Man 900. I know as a reader of mainstream comics for 30 plus years, characters are always going to reset. But seeing Doc Ock back to his one-note, pudgy, bull haircut, goggle-wearing, villainous ways felt disingenuous and maybe slightly insulting to the years of character work dance lot, and company put into him. Obviously, Ock was always destined to become a villain again, but I wonder, is there a better way to reset without ignoring everything that came before? Maybe that's the eternal struggle for every mainstream creator. That's a question, not a statement as I read it. I don't think it's a struggle for the creators. We've talked to them, and they, they know what their job is, and they seem to like the challenge. I think it's a struggle for the reader.
0: I would be curious. Uh, he's a mainstream comic reader for 30 years. That's actually a weird take on it because I would think that the, all the other stuff, I'd be like, what is this all this crap? Make, make Doc Ock, Doc Ock again. Right. I don't have any of the feelings that he just described. Mm-hmm. Every time I see Doc Ock and he doesn't look like that, I'm like, who's this good-looking, nice person? <laughs> like He's such a silly character and he had such a silly look to begin with. Like I feel like he's one of those characters that for me never felt right when they got away from that too much the only time that i think it worked actually was um in spider-man 2 i think that that version of that character where he was a really you know brilliant scientist and and sort of and then the arms kind of made him crazy i thought that worked really well but i still want him to look kind of silly he's a ridiculous character he's named dr octopus he has long robot arms he made He's angry. He's pudgy. How many, like, we want, I want pudgy characters. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's in shape, then work for me. Not going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree with all that, but take away the, the specifics of it and the, the the overall art is that, you know, there's really no way to do this without, at some point, the board has to be reset. And yes. that means you have to sort of wipe away what came before, especially if the characters go through big life-changing things. You can keep elements of it it's interesting because he's a 30 plus year reader so normally you get this this perspective from people who are relatively new to, to reading reading comics i've said this before i've been reading comics every week since the early 90s but in some form or another since i can always remember the early 80s mm-hmm. uh, so i don't know if my brain is just wired to be okay with it all but i've never had a problem with it because that's just the way it is Whoa. these comics are characters are immortal and they're never going to change and that's fine with me it's just, I mean, yeah, it sucks, but like, this just—that's the game. The creators, I don't think, have a problem with it. We've been interviewing them since, you know, for over a decade, and they know what their job is.
0: I mean, take Doctor Octopus and switch him out with Doom. Mm-hmm. Doom has been through the same kind of stuff. We've seen every version of Doom. We saw yeah. Doom as a god in um, the post, whatever that was. Uh, you know, the Hickman the- thing. Yep, and secret scene, whatever. Doom be and then after that Doom became Iron Man mm-hmm. and Doom has been pretty again and he's been evil again and you know in in uh he he's been Val's godfather and and he's been you know in the recent you know now he's kind of not good not evil you know still the gen- like he's been every version of it but if I was to open up a comic book tomorrow and it was just classic Doom mm-hmm. I'd be fine with it I don't okay. care and and I don't want a story or a writer to be constantly dealing with everything that has happened before. That doesn't work with Spider-Man and that doesn't work with Batman.
1: The weight would collapse the entire thing on itself. And I think,
0: I don't think Doc Ock is even strong enough to hold all that. So you do your thing, you reset to one, you know, when you need to, I don't care. I also, I'm not terribly connected to any of those, those stories. That we're talking. Sure, about. but like
1: so. it's, it's more. It's it's just an example of how comics, um DC and Marvel comics work. As, as a well, less of a specific example,
0: and then the opposite of that is, is Venom. Yeah, and like they have changed Venom so much from what it originally was that you kind of can't go back to what Venom used to be. And I feel like right. that's kind of a loss. Like Venom's not Venom anymore. He's mm-hmm. a different thing.
1: It's, it's the the devil's bargain you make. You enjoy those stories as they come out. And then it, it's all going to change. That's, you have to be okay with that. and It sucks when something you like gets changed, but, but when something you don't like gets changed, then you love it.
0: I think what we're learning here about Jason, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think he really liked those Dr. Octopus stories. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the case. It's like, you remember when Jason Todd, Ta- not Jason Todd, Ta- uh, Dick Grayson mm-hmm. became Batman in those yep. detective comics that, that Scott Snyder and, and Jock did? I yep. thought that was great. I remember really, really enjoying that. And then they erased it, because that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take away those other stories, but I'm also glad that we're not dealing with that. I don't want them to talk about that all the time. It'd be exhausting.
1: Right. And it wasn't erased. It was right. just just reset. It's the same way that like the dance thought Dan story still, quote-unquote, happened.
0: Right. And they're going to refer to it at some point. It's going to be a thing. But the characters always return to their natures. So that's just... And Doc Ock is flexible enough, and I think if you're a writer or an artist to make comic books, sometimes you're like, I want to use that Doctor Octopus, and I like that they have the freedom to do that. Right.
1: There's so many different versions. Like this week with Riddler yes. and Killing Time. Like for a while, he was sort of they're playing with him as a, sort of a quasi-good guy, and
0: uh, and he was like a private detective.
1: That's the kind of the beauty of this is that you can bring back things later on. Catwoman. So Aunt May can get through to Doc Ock and bring out his good nature in, in a moment of crisis. Like the and, and listen, the best writer can play on those pieces that have come before even if the board's been reset and tell a meaningful story. But the board's got to keep be reset. It's got to keep getting and,
0: reset. And listen, an older man, his weight's going to fluctuate. Like, yeah. he might be good for a while, but chances are he's going to return to his ways at some point. He's going to, at 10 p.m., go, I need some ice cream right now. It's not going to be a good idea, and it's not going to make your, your villain suit look good. But You, you know, know, like that that
1: whole series of one bad day stories coming out from D.C.? Like, you could do a... My one bad day story would be super supervillain in his 40s or 50s has the wrong food on one bad day, and then just blows this whole situation up.
0: <laughs> his, his entire schemes and plans. Yeah, <laughs> like he shouldn't have had that celebratory Chinese buffet the night before. His, shouldn't have had the two steaks for breakfast. <laughs> What's great is that we have, and we're not like gluttonous men necessarily i don't think Mm -mm. but we have similar stories about steak pie (laughs) and pizza we have three (laughs) josh and connor canon stories and it's not josh and connor and ron and other people although they were involved in at least one of those but but you and i together have a pizza a steak and a pie story all along those same lines
1: (laughs) all those stories took place in our 20s just to be fair that would never happen i would never serve you two pies now
0: you didn't serve me two pies. You forced two pies on me. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta eat these. And like There was no choice about it. I don't know what to tell you. You gotta eat these pies. And you, might, you listener, might might be hearing me say pies. And that's correct. And just to so the I'm not talking about a package of pie. I'm talking about two... Homemade pies. C- complete full-size pies. <laughs>
1: and I think we ate them. <laughs> we did we watched gladiator and some other movies and we watched Pie, <laughs> which and it went, went much better than the stakes did
0: oh maximus decimus meridius commander of the armies of the north father to the wizard, father to anyway the son
1: <laughs> jason i feel you i feel it i feel your pain i understand it when something you like gets erased i just can't look at it as disingenuous and i can't look at it as insulting it's just the way it works and the creators know that especially dan slott Dan Slott definitely knows that. We've had that conversation with him on camera in an interview with him at Jim Hanley's University. He's the one that brought the idea of the co- wacky cosmic button, right? The cosmic wacky button that just gets pressed and resets everything. Like, he loves that shit.
0: And Dan Slott's the guy who gets to do it. Yeah. Like, Dan Slot can use the 60s version of any, any character he wants at any time. I'm cool with it.
1: Yeah. So the, it, it's tough for the readers. It's not tough for the creators, but I understand, I feel your pain. Contact at ifanboy.com. is where you can write in. Like, Jason. If you want to write in for the Media Explode show, put that in the subject line. We, we love doing those emails. We just did a whole summer mailbag. And uh, thanks for writing in. If you did, we have a bunch of shows. We just, we're just we now starting off, well, is it the first week of August still? Yes, it's still the first week of August. When you're just in your house all the time, you just never know what, what's going on.
0: It's so hot.
1: In July, we had Thor, Love, and Thunder. Josh and I reviewed that film a few weeks ago. And then Josh interviewed Rainbow Rowell and TalkSplode. Two super fun shows you can listen to. Right, you know, it's not too far back on the feed. Coming up in August, we have we'll have a media explode. Don't know when that's going to come out yet. Don't know what it's going to be about yet. We have some ideas, but we can't put it in stake in the ground. But there will be a book explode, and it will be about Hulk Future Imperfect, and probably come out more towards the end of the month. But we haven't figured that out yet either. And now that Maestro has wrapped up, and I I still haven't read that final issue yet, but I I need to. That's the book we're going to talk about. It's the final chapter, which is also the first chapter. It's the first and the last chapter of that story. I'm excited to talk about that. We'll have an animated Brain Trust show talking about Green Lantern: Beware My Power, the new animated film from DC's animated original line of films, and also the Patron Hangout is scheduled for Friday, August 12th. So next, this coming week, this is it coming this coming week? Yep, this coming week. So if you're a Patron, pencil it in for Friday, August 12th. And unfortunately, because it's a Friday show, that means no pre-show hangout, which is which is fine every once in a while. But we just scheduling wise. Summer's tough. Summer's tough. So this is the way it had to be. So check those things out, the shows, the hangouts. It's a good time.
0: You can find everything that there is for us to share with you at ifanboy.com. There's all the writing we did. There's links to all of the shows that exist and the videos. And uh, everything is there from, uh, from our heyday. <laughs> you can find out what the pick of the week is. You know, those guys could out. eat two steaks. No, those, yeah, you want to you want to you want to talk about what kind of a comic book website a guy can do? Well, can they eat two steaks, two pies, several boxes <laughs> of pizza? That's the kind of website we're talking about here, <sighs> and it's it's a wonder it never really caught on because of those factors. But uh, what can you <laughs> we
1: didn't really do? emphasize the steaks; we should have emphasized
0: the steaks more. I, I mean, I we did in, did in the yet, shows. In retrospect, I think that that if that had been known, it'd be a whole different ballgame. We'd still be we'd be flying around in helicopters now, and pizzas should have yeah. been comics and pizzas. Follow I fan because the thing is you can't keep up that kind of eating, and once no. you slow down there, everything else falls by the wayside with it.
1: yeah, yeah, people want to see it like that now, it's just not I mean mm-hmm. it, the barbecue show now people,
0: people want
1: that yeah, the barbecue show now, if we ever hit uh-huh. that stretch goal, will not be like the barbecue show of yore, which was done when we were in our th- early thirties or 30 or late twenties. It'll be like a re- couple of reasonable pieces of meat. <laughs> on the grill and not 14 pounds of meat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what Ron says. Maybe the the
1: first time it might go overboard, but,
0: you know. Sure. But there will be, there will be, be there will be implications. (laughs) There will be the (laughs) implications. You can find out what the pick of the week is before by, by fanboy uh, at ifanboy on Twitter, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can follow Connor and I individually and CS Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy. All the videos that we ever did and still have access to are on there now. And we will post this show every week so you could, you could listen to this show without video uh, on YouTube should you choose to.
1: See, the thing is, there's some people who don't like that this show is partially becoming two men complaining about being old. But I like it.
0: And then that's the thing.
1: Right. I, and I, I've got the microphone. And you've got the microphone.
0: and Yeah. So we, you know, what do we mean, like? We if we didn't want to do it, we wouldn't do it. I'm. I. I like. We're Connor and I are way past the point of being able to tailor this show to what other people like. And so the only thing that's going to happen now is I'm going to try to make this man laugh and not sound stupid when I talk about comics.
1: And hopefully you laugh in the process.
0: Yes, that's that's the deal.
1: Yeah. Because what are you going to do? We're getting old and things
0: hurt. Can't eat like we used to. It's foremost on the mind. It's top of mind, kids. On our glory days, apparently, are extremely unimpressive. <laughs> they have to do with two steaks, like Al Bundy, the Polk High School fo- four touchdowns in one game. <laughs> I
1: I think. So you about... say we
0: ate the two steaks in the morning and then drove to San Diego for a day of activity.
1: Yes, and I think we tried to go to In and Out Burger. But I did don't we remember. stop?
0: Did we go to the bathroom on I, the way?
1: I think we had to stop.
0: Okay, I would hope so.
1: I think we did. and you know what just just to, just to prove this isn't a show bit, just the other day I was thinking about how, because I, I think I don't know why it came up, but I was thinking about pizza. Well, there's no reason why pizza just always Come on. on my mind, but I was th- thinking about the fact that in my you know early twenties in college, I could take down a New York a large New York City pizza by myself, no problems, like Holy no God. questions, no problems. But now, forget it. forget <laughs> it. It's over. Forget it. Hey, if you like this show, if you like to talk about comic books and, <laughs> and not being able to do things you used to be able to do being old and food, consider leaving a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. I understand some of those reviews won't be good. They'll say this show is a shadow of what it used to be.
0: It's not the only thing. That's
1: just your opinion. Man. And uh, so is my eating habits, the shadow of what they used to be. But I don't know where I'm going anymore. You can tell your friends. Word of mouth is great. When somebody's delivering you a pizza, you can tell them too. You know, I always like to tell my pizza delivery guy all about the shows I'm listening to and watching. He loves it.
0: I think you're actually out of the
1: local pizza place. Just told me they, they are not delivering anymore because of shortages of workforce. They're they're only delivering in the off hours. I was like, well, that's fun. Understood. What am I supposed to do now?
0: All right, we gotta stop pizza. This. We gotta. You're gonna go off. It's not gonna. This is this is all your edit problem to deal with too.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Josh, thank you. Snake farm, it just sounds nasty, snake farm, it pretty much is snake farm, it's reptiles. snake farm, ooh. snake farm, it just sounds nasty, snake farm, it pretty much
0: is snake farm, it's reptiles. snake farm, ooh.